Hey everybody, welcome back to Auburn House of Sports. I'm your host, Robert House, with my co-host, Wiley Fields. Wiley, how are we doing today? Doing fantastic, Robert. How about you? I'm doing great. Very tired, but I'm very excited for game day tomorrow for Auburn. But before we talk about that, I'm uh, going to let you talk about the Braves, um, just kind of where we're there at right now and what their season's looking like. Yeah, Robert. Well, uh, last night, well, this is the day after the uh, Spencer Strider, our outstanding rookie, solidified, I think, his vote to win Rookie of the Year as he set the franchise record, at least since the team's been Atlanta, um, of most strikeouts in a game. Um, quite an incredible outing. He had 105 pitches with in the pitched eight innings, only allowed two hits. And honestly, he looked like he could have gone for three more innings. Um, the dude is just passionate. He plays with fire. And for this to be his rookie year and him already making this much of an impact with the rotation we got, it's just incredible that we're, for, we're so fortunate to have these guys as our starting rotation, and it can only get better from here. So, uh, But the Braves as a whole team right now, you know, we're at that point where we're about that last month and a half away where last year the Braves made a huge run. Obviously, Atlanta has made a massive run ever since the beginning of June. And, you know, it all – it's been fantastic and it's great and – just somehow, some way, we're still three games behind the Nets. Um, not discrediting the run at all that Atlanta's done. They've done a tremendous job. Um, it's almost impossible that they don't at least make the wild card. However, it's just so unfortunate that we get to that half-game uh, deficit from the Mets at the division leading spot or to, like, three games, and then we just back down to, like, four or five games. And Right now, we're at that three-game mark was really hoping that the Mets would lose to the Dodgers. Instead, they beat them in two straight games. <laughs> uh, but Atlanta's still hanging on. Uh, we still have a lot of baseball left. Um, we could shift both ways again before the end of the season. Um, this upcoming weekend, the Braves play the Marlins, and then after that, they play the Athletics. So it's five very winnable games. Uh, and uh, it would be tough to lose one of those, especially if we lost more than one. Just pushing us back because the Mets have basically the same exact schedule. Not the same teams, but the same caliber type teams that they play. Um, and like we said last week, folks, this this whole race could go down to the very last week of baseball. Where the Mets come to town, I believe, late September. And yeah, I think it's like uh, last week in September. Yeah. Something like that. It's a three-game series. Maybe it's four games. I'm not really sure. And it honestly is feeling like that's what it's going to come down to is that series right there. I mean, just obviously there's still plenty of baseball to be played, but it just feels like one of those those years where it really just comes down to that last series or that last week of baseball for – honestly, for both teams. But I think mostly for the Braves it will come down to that last week um, unless something unforeseen happens. Absolutely. And um, the, the main thing – Obviously, we want to make the postseason, but we really want to take that division because if we do that, we would either have to just play St. Louis or San Diego in the wild, or in the division round while the Mets and Dodgers would have to play each other. But if we lose, we're going to have a tough road in the postseason. Not saying it's impossible. I mean, last year we pretty sure we, we can – it's easy to say that we, you know, beat the impossible. But, however, it would definitely be, you know, in our favor if we had a better side of the bracket and a better – scheduled to play. Um, so, Robert, what, what do we have now? Well, it was announced today that the CFP 
was going to expand to 12 teams. And it uh, formally, it's not slated to happen until 2026. But um, a lot of, I think a lot of people and the commissioners are trying to get it implemented as soon as 2024, um, per the article that ESPN released today. They're wanting to get it in at 2024. So in the next two to four years, we could see the CFP expanding to 12 teams. And I think, you know, I think it's an okay number. I think a lot of people wanted eight, which may have been better, you know, go with eight. And if it works out or doesn't work out, you can go to 12 or go back to four. I think jumping to 12 might have been a little much. But, you know, regardless, the first two years of whenever it does start is going to be, is going to be, experimental um to figuring out what what works and what doesn't um and we'll obviously see if it affects how recruiting is done and you know what other teams get in because i think it's going to shake up a lot of what actually happens in the season in terms of you know late game like late season games and games that might not really be you might not see as important now but become important because of you're fighting for 12 spots instead of four, which affects a lot of teams all over the country uh, with everything. You know, There's just a ton of teams now that you could see wanting to compete in the four-team um, but couldn't, and now they're going to get a chance in a few years. Like Cincinnati, obviously, you know, they got run over by Alabama. So some teams might not deserve that spot, but at least those 12 teams are getting a chance to, to compete um, – for that national championship, which I think is good for college football, uh, even though I think it'll probably still end up being the same two, three teams every year that are there. But I think it adds a little bit of that aspect that we get from March Madness with the Cinderellas. You see, maybe you see a team who lost a game early in the year or something make a run late and beat an Alabama or Georgia in a semifinal game or in a championship game and win the national championship at who may not have been able to win had it been a four team. So I think it just adds, you know, a little bit of that excitement that we see in March. I think it brings that excitement here to um, November and December and early December. Um, and I think that's, that's good for college football. We'll see in a few years if it actually is or not, but that's just going to be something to see um, in the next few years. Yeah. It's a, uh... It's going to be interesting to see how they're going to schedule it, uh, what the format's going to be, and also which bowl games they're going to use in it. Um, if it's twelve, if it's a twelve-team playoff, you can go ahead and take away the New Year's Six bowls because, well, add them into the equation because those are the biggest bowls there are, and there's just no way that they don't put those in there as games to compete in in the playoff. Um, another thing is, will we see it being? maybe earlier between that time when the conference championships are to the end of December. Because normally there's a huge gap where teams prepare for their bowl games and the playoff teams prepare for their playoff games uh, for about two, three weeks. So it's going to be interesting to see if they make it earlier in December or if they push it even past the bowl games and it goes into February. That would be really mind-blowing. Honestly, I wouldn't mind it. I'm a selfish sports fan, so I love – being able to be entertained uh, year round, and I would certainly do it. Uh, it's just something something we no one's ever seen before in this sport. 
it's going to be interesting how uh, players are going to be able to, I guess, just be able to prepare for it, just and how teams will be in general. Uh, it, it'll be fun, though, I think, because you can definitely have, like Robert said, you can definitely have those not Cinderella teams because it's, it's the top 12 teams in the country. But Yeah, it wouldn't necessarily be Cinderella, but right. you have people that might not be the top dogs making those <clears throat> late runs. Yeah, especially if they do like the earlier games, like home field advantage games. Yeah. So that would be fun. Reading the article from ESPN, they're saying the four highest-ranked conference champions will be seeded one through four with each receiving a first-round bye. Teams seeded five through 12 will play each other in the first round on either the second or the third weekend of December. The quarterfinals and semifinals will be played in bowl games on a rotating basis, and the championship game will be at a neutral site as under the current four-team format. So it'll, you know, I'm, I'm sure some of, some of it is subject to change right now because there's still probably a lot for them to work out. Um, just, I mean, especially it's two, two to four years out. Like, they've got time to work on it and improve it and figure out what's going to work best for – the players, the coaches, the fans, obviously probably going to – money's probably going to be a big thing for them figuring out, you know, televised television and all that. So, I mean, that'll be something to look over, look for in the next couple of years as that probably – as that develops and as some of that changes. But as of right now, it is going to happen in 2026, um, and it'll be 12 teams – with the top four teams getting a bye. Um, which is reasonable. Which, I, yeah, that's that's very fair. Um, and we will see how that goes. Yeah. So tomorrow is technically the, the first week of college football, although there was several games on last week. Um, this is kind of the official week one of college football with a lot of your major teams playing games. Most of them going to be cupcake games. But there are a lot of – I don't say a lot, but there are definitely some games to watch tomorrow. And as I pull up the schedule tomorrow, tonight you've got number 15 Michigan State playing Western Michigan. That's 21-3 Michigan State. You had a few games yesterday. And then tomorrow you've got Oregon at Georgia. Or it's not at Georgia, but it's in Atl- it's basically at Georgia. It's in Atlanta. Uh, it's the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. That sh- I really think that's going to be a really fun game to watch. I'm excited for that one. And uh, let's see, Cincinnati at Arkansas. That that could end up being a good game. I think that should be another fun one to watch. And, you know, for the most part – oh, and then Notre Dame and Ohio State to finish off the day. That So those are three games right there where it's ranked versus ranked, and those will probably be the best games of the day. But – Auburn is playing Mercer at home at 6 o'clock. Auburn is a 33-point favorite tomorrow. And, you know, obviously coming off a rough year last year on a five-game losing streak, I believe. Hopefully that ends tomorrow. I mean, I know it's a different season, but it still counts as a, as a streak. Looking at it, Mercer's already played a game. They won 63-13 to against Moorhead State, so not exactly like your toughest test. But winning any game 63-13 to is impressive regardless because you put up 63 points and hold your team, hold the opponent to 13 points. 
So it'll be interesting to see I, I, what the what the game looks like with Mercer having already played a game, being able to work on stuff that they've seen versus Auburn who hasn't played a game. Obviously, they've been working on stuff on the since spring, um, but no game day like experience for this team as a whole. Obviously, there are players on both teams that have played several seasons. So it'll be definitely be interesting to see. Uh, Brian Harson is probably on the hot seat this year. I'd say if he if he doesn't put together a good year for Auburn, he's he's probably gone, which is unfortunate. I really like him. I'm a big fan. I think he just needs time. But after Alan Green stepped down, not looking good for Harson, needs to put together a really really good year in order to probably retain a spot. So we'll see how that goes throughout the season. That'll be a story to talk about. But Mercer, T.J. Finley is the starting quarterback for Auburn. Some of y'all might not like that. I actually – I don't necessarily hate it, maybe not love it. Um, it'd be nice to have, you know, somebody who we is, know is proven to to play well in these kinds of situ- – in, kind, in just any game, really. I mean, because T.J. didn't play great last year. But – a lot of people forget he was on a hurt ankle most of his starts, and Auburn was just kind of already on a downhill plummet, and which some of that wasn't his fault. Um, but I think he has – I believe he's improved. I'd like to believe he's improved. I, I think it's hard to not improve over the course of after what you've, we've seen last season versus what we might see this season. It's, but especially he's gone through spring, summer, and fall practice really – I don't want to say as the designated number one, but he's probably taken the most reps at number one just from knowing the offense, being the starter to end the year last year. And we will – tomorrow I think will be a good measure of where – how far he has come as a player. Obviously, he's been getting a lot of uh, crap and – trash over the offseason and I think that's kind of fueled him to become better and obviously a lot of people nitpick at what he does and I think he had a quote the other day saying the media does a good job of telling me what I need to improve on and honestly I think that's a really good quote to hear from him saying that's him telling us like he sees what we're saying and he wants to prove us wrong which I think is what you really want on a quarterback is having them having a chip on their shoulder Obviously, a lot of other parts have to come together for him to succeed, but he's kind of the centerpiece, I think, of what could be Auburn's success. I think for Auburn to have success, he's got to play to a certain level. I don't necessarily know. Like, he doesn't have to be Cam Newton, but he's just got to be better than what he was last year. He's just got to be able to make the easy throws, be consistent. I think that's the biggest thing for him is being consistent. If he's obviously you don't want to be consistently bad, but if he can consistently put together, you know, half decent games, we've got the I believe a top three, one two running back duo in the country with Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, and I think they're gonna I think they're gonna do them. I, I don't think there's any question about that. It all just comes down to what TJ can do, um, and we're gonna see tomorrow. Obviously not. You know, not a defense that you really look at and you're scared with Mercer. Obviously, they there's not a, a ton of like film and stuff to look at with them to see what they look like. But 
we will see kind of where Auburn stands tomorrow. Yeah, um, it's an exciting time. A lot of anxiety building up just for the season in general because uh, a lot of pressure is on this Auburn team. But, I mean, as a freshman, as a student right now, I'm just kind of happy to – I'm just really happy to be here and be able to experience game days as a student. Um, no matter what, Auburn's still Auburn. I love Auburn, but let's just let's just go – I hope that the guys just go up there and just let some anger out of this game. Um, obviously, it's, it's just Mercer. But as we said last week, Mercer has given some teams trouble in the first half, big-time teams trouble at least. In recent years, um, they did it to us 2017, too. But uh, something to highlight is, uh, to me is the receivers. I feel like a lot of people don't realize how talented this receiving core is. Um, dark horses for – Yeah. Dark horses in that room, I'll tell you. You know, you had Shedrick Jackson. He's come, He's back. Is he like a – I swear he's like a six-year – Six-year guy. Maybe he might even be seven. I swear he's been here. He, I think he's only five. Yeah, he's, he's definitely a past his, his four-year four yeah. typical. You, you know, he's had great moments, and then he's had just a few. I, I, I can think of last year where a lot of people um, gave him, you know, crap about things. But I feel like he, you know, he, he's the leader of this receiving core. And I feel like he's got – I'm honestly thinking he has a big season coming up. I agree. Uh, something very interesting is Tavares Dawson uh, beating out Javarius Johnson, who Javarius last year, you know, the two years before that he was unhealthy, uh, but he was a very standout receiver um, coming from Hewitt Trussell. But last year he looked like probably the fastest player Auburn's had since Anthony Schwartz. And to have him back and not transfer is – a huge gift. Um, Camden Brown, the freshman, is. Yep. I've heard really good things about him. I think he's going to be an exciting player to watch. I am shocked to not see Landon King on the depth chart. Not necessarily. I don't think he's not on the depth chart, but he's not a backup or a starter in either tight end or wide receiver. And I guess that probably has to do a lot with the talent that we have brought in and have retained. Because obviously, you want John Samuel Shanker starting at tight end and. I guess Luke Deal is a really good second option, but he was Landon King was a guy that last year I think a lot of people expected him to have kind of a a breakout year this year, and maybe he does. Maybe something happens and he ends up in the starting lineup, or maybe he just maybe they're planning on rotating a bunch of receivers in and out of there depending on performance. You know, we don't really know yet. We'll figure out over the next few weeks what their plan is with that. But that's Landon King's a, someone that I'm kind of surprised not to see um, with the ones and twos on the offensive side. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be interesting just to see a lot of the new pieces put together into our puzzle. Um, I feel like the defense, again, Auburn's defense, I feel like is going to be slept on. Um, we, are, In my opinion, we arguably have one of the better defensive lines in the SEC. You know, obviously, Bama gets just monsters every year, but – Auburn has consistently had a good D-line for the past six years, from what I can remember. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been – there was one year I think we might have struggled a little bit, but it might it might not have even been struggling. It just was below standard of what we were used to. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, and I'm hoping I, – I honestly think that the line – like, you know, we, we lose 
uh, Zacoby McLean. But Owen Papo, he, he struggled a lot last year with injuries, and now he's back. They say he's healthy and he's ready to go. And then you've got the you got Cam Riley coming in and starting now, and he you know he, he was looked at a lot in high school, and Auburn recruited him, thought a lot of very much or thought a lot of him, and it's just going to be interesting to see him finally get his chance to play. You know, um, our linebacking unit has been pretty stacked over the years too. Uh, the main problem with our defense in recent years has been our secondary and. A lot there's of the guys returned. Some, there's still been some talent back there, but it's kind of just yeah. having consistent and a lot of it. You know, typically there's one corner you've had um, Carlton Davis and Roger McCreary these past couple of years. I mean, obviously Carlton Davis was several years ago, but they've kind of been they've been kind of not necessarily on their own, but like they've been clearly the best cornerback. And then on the other side of the ball, it's somebody who, I mean, I can't honestly give exact names, but it's, it's somebody who hasn't necessarily been a huge like impact player necessarily. I mean, safeties have been there with Jamel Dean and smoke Monday last year, who was good, but bad at times. And I think this year there's a lot of, I think most of the secondary is, other than Jalen Simpson is is either transferred in or didn't start last year. For the most part, yeah. Um, Something like that. It's uh, it's gonna be interesting. Um, should we go ahead and do our score predictions? Yeah, I've been thinking about that. Yeah. I think I think Auburn wins this one. I don't think that's a question. I'm gonna say. 59 to 6. All right. I like that one. Um, I think I think Auburn obviously wins. I think it's going to be a blowout. I think they're going to start off very hot in the first quarter. Maybe mellow down in the, like the last few minutes of the second quarter. And then I, feel, I honestly feel like Robbie Ashford might come in midway through the third quarter. And mm-hmm. that'd be – very fun to see him just get the play. Yeah, I'm excited to see him. I was shocked. I wasn't necessarily shocked, but a little surprised that he was the backup over Calzada. And I think Calzada's probably still recovering, I think, from injury and surgery mm-hmm. over the summer. So maybe he's not fully healthy, but I think everybody expected Calzada to come in and, and be the guy. But yeah. he's, I think he's kind of been a disappointment. But I think, uh, I think Tank and Jarquez combined for – at least 250 yards rushing. I think along with tomorrow else. I think Auburn has at least 250 yards rushing tomorrow. Yeah. Just total. And I think TJ will probably only throw for probably like 200, 220, nothing crazy. Which is perfect. A couple touchdowns. And if, if we get that from him every game, if we can get a consistent 200 or so and one, two touchdowns and maybe 40, 50 yards on the ground, because I think his mobility – is a lot better than people expected because of last year he was on an injured ankle most of the season. I mean, we saw a little bit of it in the Georgia State game when he came in, and it wasn't necessarily – he's not, like, fast or anything, but he's he's bigger. He's obviously a bigger guy and harder to tackle, but I think if we can get a consistent 200-ish yards and one to two touchdown passes and some double-digit rushing yards, I think – I think that I'd honestly be pretty – and in some games we'd need him to step up and probably throw for some more. But I think for the most part, 
if we can get that out of him, then I mean I'd say that'd be pretty pretty good for him from what we saw last year. But I I think it's gonna be just one of those games where Auburn goes up big at first, slows down, the new guys come in, the freshmen get to show their chance or have their chance to shine and then just my prediction is it's going to be forty-eight to ten. Um, yeah, I like that. I think I think they might end up scoring. My my six points was two field goals, but I think they might end up scoring like late, late when right. Auburn's third strings are in or something like that. Maybe they do. Maybe we were able to hold them. I don't know. They did score sixty-three points last week against Moorhead State, but that's the, I mean that's a lot of points for for any game, regardless of what who the opponent is. So maybe. I don't know. Auburn's defense is, I think, is very. I think, like you were saying, is very slept on, and I think they, they step up. I say step up. They haven't been down, but I think they kind of show what they're made of um, early in this game. And I think, it, I think it'll be. I think Mercer will be scoreless at half. I'm hoping for three, four score lead at halftime. I think would be comfortable, and then come out and start trying to see some how other guys perform in game because a lot of practice is you, you're not you're not necessarily in game although a lot of people perform very something that's what practice is for but i think seeing somebody in game is a whole lot different than seeing somebody in practice so i think getting to see a lot of different combos and players late in the game i'm hoping it's a blowout would be good for auburn fans good for the coaches good for the players i think it's just beneficial so that would be be good to see in the second half, um, a lot of different players. So big day, first game. I think a lot of people are excited just for football to be back in general. I know I am. I know Wiley is. We're just all excited for football Absolutely. to be back. Auburn football. Auburn, I think, is a, one of the. I might be. I might be a little biased. Might be. I don't. You know. You don't have to hold me to that, but. I think Auburn is the greatest college football environment with Jordan Hare, Tumor's Corner, all that in the country. Again, maybe a little biased. I'm not – I'm an Auburn student, so (laughs) might have a little bit of a biased opinion. But I'm going to say that. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it loud and proud. I'm not scared to say it. Um, And I think Auburn will start off the season 1-0 tomorrow. Then they play San Jose State at home. Penn State, who played last night and nearly beat Purdue the third game. That's probably going to be the game to to watch for Auburn. But that's all for today. Thanks for joining, and everybody enjoy watching college football tomorrow.